Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really, really well today. And in this moment in time, no matter where on the planet you happen to be, that you are facing everything head on. And what I mean by that is your shadow. Yeah, the shadow side. We don't like to look at the shadow. We like to look at the light. But you know what? When it comes to being a whole spiritual being, sometimes we got to look at the shadow side too. I woke up yesterday morning and I mean, for like almost 90 minutes, that's all I did was clear out all of the programming and the incidences and the templates that were overlaid on me from my parents, from friends, from society, from boyfriends, from teachers, from priests, from the television, from radio, from all of the things that would have me believe what they wish for me to believe that might not be 100% true in general or true for me specifically. And what I mean by that is everything that just isn't seeming real and true. Everything that is a falsehood. (laughs) If it doesn't come from God directly, then it's false. If it's not from pure innocence and pure love and the actual truth, then it's not real. And so we need to delete, uncreate, erase those shadow programs, those templates. So let me give you an example. As a man, you might have a program, at least in the United States, I've noticed this to be the case, is that men tend to believe that all women want to get their meat hooks into them want to capture them and bag them up, you know, for marriage. (laughs) It's not always true. You know, I mean, sometimes women just want to have a relationship and, and this is again, cisgendered heteronormative as an example, but it's something that I've seen again and again and again, not just in my own personal life, but other people talking about it. Oh, well, you know, she just really wanted to get her meat hooks into me. I've literally heard men say that. She's trying to get her hooks into me. She's just trying to trap me. This is entrapment. And it's like, dude, she she just wants to be in relationship with you and love you, right? And it's just this idea that marriage is a trap. 
you know, it's like something horrible. And it's this really bizarre template that's been around for many, many generations. It's been like joked about on TV and there's always jokes about marriage or, um, it being a horrible thing or a bad thing or, I mean, it's like so strange, you know, I don't understand where all this came from. So I, I was looking at all of these things and that's just one of them. Right. And I don't know if this is the same because like I've met people from other countries that have a completely different viewpoint on it. You know, I've met, um, um, a lot of Saudi Arabian men, for example, completely different kind of society. And they all say, I can't wait to get my education so that I can go back home and get married. I cannot wait to have a happy life. You know, and part of that is to follow their religion, love God, love each other, love their family and do a good job by being a good provider as a man. Like that is how they are going to be fulfilled as men. And it's one of those things where it's just a given. And I've met Saudi Arabian men who were gay, who just went to California to study and never came back and they never went back home. And they just live in San Francisco now. <laughs> They're like, yeah, well, hell that, you know, hell to that. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that whole marriage thing when I don't want to marry a, a, a woman. I want to marry a man, you know, and that's okay. That's awesome. In fact, I, I have a really good friend that he's just, oh my God, he was a gay pride parade last year, walking around with nothing but his underwear and shoes and socks, carrying this massive gay pride flag, happy as hell. It was so amazing to see that. But, um, but they don't have that overlay. They don't have that template. So it's not a universal earth thing. It's certain countries have this and in every country and every culture within, there's a lot of cultures within each country. So I don't mean to generalize at all, but this is an example of a template. So like if you're a man to get rid of this template, you would be like, um, I would like to uncreate, delete and erase all the programming and the templates that where I believe or where people have tried to make me believe that being with a woman in my dreams is a, a, a trap and that marriage is evil and that women are just look at me as if they're hunters. I would like to uncreate that in my life and I need to let that go now. I choose to let that template go. So that's like that example. Another example, um, like for me as a woman, um, I'd like to uncreate, delete and erase the program that I need to go along with anything men say because they're physically stronger than me and they know better and they're more intelligent than me. Cause that's not real. It's not true. So I want to let that go right now. Um, that's why a lot of women have been, uh, sexually harassed at work. You know, believing that the men are physically stronger and they can hurt them or believing that um, they have to go along with what the man says because the man is in charge. The man is a superior. The man has more intelligence and, and, and you won't work in this town anymore if you go if you don't go along with that. You know, it's not just for and it's also like in mean, Kevin Spacey, wasn't he? He like put that kind of overlay and that template on all the people, all the young men he harassed. Um, for example, you know, Neil Grasp to Tyson, you know, Tyson or whatever, whatever the hell his name is. He was acquitted or of 
rape, but so many people accuse him of rape. I tend to believe that uh, he got lucky that he was acquitted or whatever happened there because I feel like he probably is a harasser at, at, at minimum or, or at maximum he's a rapist. So I feel like, but he was a part of that template of, you know, let's do that. And then putting that onto the woman and then the women blaming themselves. So another way of getting rid of that kind of, that part of the shadow is um, if you are a woman and you, or a man, it doesn't matter if you're any person who's been harassed or sexually attacked or been a part of a vicious um, verbal attack campaign or sexual attack campaign, or uh, if you've ever been uh, raped or um, grabbed, touched inappropriately from a baby on up, whether it's at work or from people in your family or neighbor or any of that. Um, one of the, the best ways I discovered yesterday to get rid of that is to say, I would like to delete from my life, from my body, from my mental body, from my emotional body, from my physical body, the idea that I deserved to be sexually harassed, raped, grabbed, pushed around, teased in a sexual way, touched in an, in an appropriate way, and that I deserved that kind of unwanted and unwarranted attention. I choose now to uncreate, delete, and get rid of that programming and I choose to get rid of that template out of my body. In my emotional body, my mental body, yada, yada, yada. So I hope that that kind of helps. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of some other ones. That was a big one for, for almost practice. I mean, if you live on earth and you're any age at all, probably chances are some crap has happened to you like that. You know, and, and it, this is, we are too far beyond that date in time in which we need to hush, hush, poo, poo it, put it in the closet still, because you know what? It's happened almost every freaking one of us. It's really freaking common. Really, 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 really common. I just had a memory of something happened to me when I was like one years old, not a pretty memory. And I didn't even know I had repressed it. So I had no idea. So it didn't bother me my whole life. Cause I didn't remember it happened. But then when I had the memory and I remembered it and I was like, Oh my God, that happened to me. Holy crap. That's terrible. But I had no connection to it because it was so long ago. It's like 50 years ago, but I was able to get rid of it yesterday. So that was like one thing. Um, another thing was, uh, um, I got rid of the template that told me that no matter what, when I was married, I have to go along with my, my husband's willingness uh, or wantingness to have sex when he wanted it and if I did not want it, you know, and it didn't happen, happen very often. Usually we're always on the same wavelength with that, but you know, a little bit TMI there, but this is something that women specifically have um, a, a lot of the time is when they, when they're married and they feel like they have to have uh, sexual relations, even if they don't feel like it, because they're worried their husband will cheat on them or they're worried that their husband won't love them anymore or will leave them. And even though their husband's probably trustworthy, probably going to be still there tomorrow. Um, it's, it comes from before the marriage. It comes before you even met the person has nothing to do with the person, but has everything to do with the programming. It's in our media. It's in our, 
TV shows, our movies, um, maybe our mothers or aunts or friends told us, hey, you got to put out or else. And, and the thing is, um, I know a lot of women who just feel so resentful that they did something they did not want to do, even when someone they're doing it with is their legal spouse, right? And I just feel like that's not right either, right? So, you know, to, I like to uncreate, delete, and, and, and destroy the idea, the template in me that I have to do something I don't want to do in order to keep a relationship. Because if someone is constantly making you do something you want to do, you probably shouldn't be in that relationship anyway. But um, a lot of it is just having to do with biorhythms and timing, right? Sometimes you feel like doing it. Sometimes you don't. It's just like that candy bar commercial. Sometimes you feel like a nut. <laughs> sometimes you don't. <laughs> you know? So um, there's a lot of stuff like that that we have, and it's like so dark, and no one wants to talk about it because it's that shadow crap, you know? And the other thing is, like, men feel... Um, in a lot of the Western societies, anyway, I know that men feel like they have to provide in a specific way. And only in more recent generations has it been where the men have decided to be home, staying at home, like being the stay-at-home dad. And they marry strong women that go out and make a living. And they are the providers and the caretakers for the children. But you might, if you are in that position, and yay, good for you, I applaud that. Um, but a lot of men feel like they're less than as men and they shouldn't feel that way. And the women should not feel guilty for going to work and not taking care of the children if that's not their strong suit. You know, I feel like there's a lot of these weird gender roles that have been just like pushed into our psyches for generations, for hundreds of years. Like the women have to sit at home and sew and watch the kids pop out the babies and hunt Men, men go out to hunt while the women stay at home around the house and gather, you know, and it doesn't really apply to our society anymore. You know what I mean? And so all of that stuff. And then, and then on top of that, what if you are in the LGBTQIA community, you still have the overlays of the heteronormative crap and the cisgendered crap that you just probably feel a little bit of nudgy, nudge, icky, yucky. Uh, like, you know, in your identity, like, you know who you are, you know what you want, but society tells you, you should want something different or that you should be someone different. And that's not right either. So this is the time to look at all the layers and layers and layers and layers of like blankets people have thrown over you. Oh, you're not really gay. It's just a phase. Boom. There's a blanket. Maybe you are gay. Maybe it's not a phase. Maybe that's who you truly are. And you shouldn't feel guilty because some asshole threw a blanket over you. Right? So you have to be like, I'd like to uncreate and delete and destroy in all directions of time, space, and all realities that I am who I say I am. And no one can tell me I'm not gay or I'm not whatever. And woo, take that blanket off. Throw it off. And uncreate it from your mental body and your emotional body and your your um, spiritual body, you don't need this and your physical body too. And you could even do this with cancer or asthma or allergies or digestive issues. I'd like to uncreate, delete and destroy in all directions of time. Uh, the ulcer, 
that is in my stomach, the H. pylori, I don't need that template in my body anymore. I refuse to accept that for myself. Or whatever it is, you know. I did that with asthma, and I and I was having an asthma attack when I said that. <laughs> my asthma got a lot, it just got like a lot better. I'm having a little bit of, of a hassle still, and it's just because the way my body's reacting to breathing in volcanic dust that's out here in the air from the past like week and a half, two weeks. And, but I did this with everything. I even said, okay, I'd like to uncreate, delete, and destroy all of destroy, destory. <laughs> this, and this is, oh, by the way, I got this mostly from Christy Marie Sheldon. What I was saying yesterday wasn't her thing, but as I'm telling you guys, it just automatically came out of me. I like to uncreate, delete, and destory the following, you know, um, and, and I'm saying the words programs and or, and or templates. Um, I realized that there's a lot of things I put on my children when they're very little and I had to uncreate that from me and from them. And this is it that people would want to kidnap them because they're good looking. And you know what? It happened a few times when they were out. My youngest was almost kidnapped in Colombia a couple times in here once or twice and my oldest once or twice here in Ecuador. And there's, it's obviously the whole human trafficking thing is a huge nightmare now, you know, and I was always terrified of that. So I put that on them and made them terrified, made them scared to death to go outside. And I, and, and that's not a way to live, right? It's not comfortable for them, obviously, but they need to be aware. And I was just trying to make them aware, but then I realized I put a whole template on them. And when you have that fear, you draw to you what you fear. Holy crap, right? So I decided to uncreate, delete, and destroy the templates that I put on my children that they did not deserve, they did not need, and it's affecting, affecting them negatively. Just the way that my parents did to me, like your parents did to you, like you did to your own children, or you might, if unless you're absolutely worth every single thing you say. So I had to uncreate, delete, and destroy a bunch of crap this weekend. I hope you guys also caught that wave of that yesterday and the day before where it's just like, you know what? I'm not going to accept that for myself anymore. I'm not going to accept that I'm a less than person. I'm not going to accept people's judgments of me in the times in which I had no money or the times that I was homeless in my past because that's not who I am. I'm no better or no worse than anyone else on the planet. God loves me equally as he loves you, as he loves the queen of England and as he loves the homeless person in India. Everyone is equally loved by the one will. And I have proof that that's the case. The proof that that's the case is we're all alive at, at this time on earth. We are all needed at this time on earth. Because when, when um, I saw a really cute thing uh, the other day, uh, someone sent it to me. It said, it doesn't matter who deletes you on Facebook. Just be grateful that God doesn't delete you from life. He's <laughs> like, I don't care if you delete me. As long as God doesn't delete me, I am good to go. Right? So <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I just, oh, man. So I, I don't know. I, I want you guys to work on your shadow sides this week. If you haven't done so already, if you have any other stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, uncreate the stories that you've told yourself or that other people told you that 
maybe because your education isn't good enough that you don't deserve a raise or that you don't deserve better pay or better money or there's a lot of money stuff people have there's a lot of social stuff that people have a lot of women put themselves in a weaker position to make a man's ego feel better but why do we believe um, falsely that men have a weak ego or that men um, deserve that kind of uh, treatment of like kid glove treatment because I don't think that's very respectful towards men to act like they're such little tiny babies they can't handle something and and at the same time why do we put on men that they can't cry and they don't have emotions because that's also not true men are very deep but they internalize things a lot of the time when they're told by society that they don't cry and shouldn't cry and shouldn't feel or display emotions. Generations in the past of men were told and taught never to cry, never to say I love you, never to appear weak emotionally. And that's been to a great detriment of many relationships, usually between fathers and children. So I feel like we should just treat people as people, not you're a man and therefore you are this, 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 and this. Those are templates and programs you put on them. And if you're a man, they're put on you and you, it, it's not comfortable. And when you're a woman, there's a lot of the things and in and, and the same thing. And, it, and it's just, and what if your gender is different than your physical sex? You know, and I was thinking about myself today, like I am pretty, um, much in the middle as far as I'm feminine and masculine inside myself. I'm both and I recognize both and I feel both, but I'm not, I don't know. It's just like the way I walked into the mall. I went to the mall today, you guys, and I'm sorry about my, about my horrible audio. I've been trying to fix this for many days. I went to the mall and I went to all the places that have microphones and no one had microphones. One place just absolutely discontinued my, I'm like, why? You think people don't suddenly need microphones? It's ridiculous. And they didn't even have tablets. And this other place said, well, we have tablets, but they're crappy. You can even, you know, you get the $500 I1, iPad, I, I whatever. Or you could get, you know, these really cheesy, cheap ones that just like are crap. <laughs> you know, and they told me to go downtown. They gave me the address, so I'll have to go back down there tomorrow. But I'm trying to figure out a way to record that where the sound quality is better. I do need to fix the battery in my phone, but I'm scared that once they start opening the back of it, what if they take the battery out and they don't have a replacement and if it doesn't work and if there's a big problem with it, I've just lost all the information on my phone. And I have a lot of information on my phone, including like a thousand pictures of the sky, including UFOs. So I've got it. So I've got all this technical crap I've got to deal with this week. So I'm sorry about the sound quality. Rod pointed it out from Australia. So, hey, Rod, I'm so glad to meet you. And we had a really lovely conversation yesterday. And um, he's going through a lot of this emotional stuff because he went through a breakup. And a lot of us have gone through breakups. And it's it sucks. And there's all this stuff that when you break up, you feel like maybe you're not lovable anymore. Maybe you're not attractive anymore. Maybe... Um, you know, you're a horrible person. 
And that's why they don't want to be with you. But you have to get rid of all that stuff. That's part of your shadow side too. So you need to get rid of all that junk, right? It's just junk. It's crap. It's just, you don't need that anymore in your life. You really, truly do not, um, just, you know, delete it, delete all that because the only reason why a relationship breaks up is that you're no longer a vibrational match for that person. And they're no longer a vibrational match for you. Either they went up or you went up or they went down or you went down in vibration. And when your vibratory rates are out of sync, it's like you repel each other like the opposite poles of magnets. You gotta be vibing at the same rate or it's not gonna work. You only bring to you through the law of attraction, you only bring to you what is your exact vibrational match. So, I mean, go listen to all the Abraham Hicks stuff because um, when Esther Hicks is channeling the group called Abraham, you know, this stuff is really good. It's really true. It's right on. That's what the law attraction is all about. So you need to stop with all the templates and the programming of yourself and allowing people like, what's wrong with you that you let her get away? No, good. I'm glad she sorted herself out of my life. I don't need her anymore. Right? Because she's no longer a vibrational match for me. Now I could go out and look for the person who matches with me. Stop forcing yourself to believe other people's stories about you and stop forcing yourself to take on templates of society that you don't freaking need anymore. You are a unique, beautiful, amazing individual. You're brilliant. Your soul is enormous and bright and it's filled with the light of God. You are innocence. I don't care if you've slept with a thousand or 20,000 people, you're still an innocent person at the core of your soul. You're a pure white light. So anything that doesn't vibe with that, you need to get out of your life. Anything, you know, stop throwing shade on yourself, get out of the shadow, stand in the light. It's time. It's time. All right, guys, the Schumann Residence News. Let's just get on with this because we got to we got started question 605 because it did not work last week. <laughs> I don't know, man, this whole uh, it's been there. We've had some issues with the audio and all these things. But OK, uh, as far as uh, Schumann Residence of Disclosure News IT, it's been absolutely calm over the weekend. It was really calm, they said. Today, it's only like power 10. It's like ridiculously calm. Uh, we did have yesterday 48 in uh, Italy. Now, I have no idea what's going on as far as HeartMath Institute because, sorry, the data is temporarily unavailable. We've been without sunspots. We've had the biggest solar minimum in a very, very many, many years, if not decades. And finally, a small sunspot started to form on the lower left hand side of the sun, but it's already in a state of decay and did not formulate a full sunspot. 
and then in the upper middle left right around the edge of the sun it's about to come our direction it looks like there is another sunspot forming this is good news because if it continues to grow and the sunspot forms the sun's magnetic field will be more emboldened which means we will have more protection from the cosmic ray energy and we've got another pulse coming to us from the cosmic uh, the supernova the third freaking pulse and that's going to be massive before it just hit australia and when the plasma hit australia that and plus a whole bunch of other stuff going in australia please hashtag pray for australia um we're going to go over uh friday we're, we'll go over all the other world news but australia there's been even firefighters um have been caught setting fires it, it's like the biggest betrayal <laughs> So there's a lot of other stuff going on. There's a lot of political stuff going on relating to the fires in Australia. And it's not the whole country. I think I said before it's the whole country. It's really southern, um, the southeastern uh, part of Australia, I think, that has fires. And then there's kind of in the middle to the northwest. But anyway, um, there, is, there is some rain. Sydney was the hottest city on earth yesterday. 120 degrees so I mean that's like ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um so I just wanted to remind you guys if you haven't yet pray for Australia please 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 pray for Australia um all right this is gonna end in less than a minute so I'm gonna just hop on over to the next section and we're gonna go over a course in miracles for today and then we're going to get right into the reading of the spirits book, starting with question 605, because we've got to go backwards <laughs> a little bit backtrack because there's no way anyone can understand what happened last week. It's it just anyway. All right. So I'll, I'll be right back right after this message. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you. guys I got a little long-winded on the shadow stuff but you know what it's so so important um, I was supposed to channel something from the Andromedans but they came to me today and said it's not gonna affect us but their enormous galaxy ran into another galaxy because you know all the solar systems are in motion as a group all the galaxies are in motion as a group and the two kind of merged and it was on suspicious observers so there is some scientific evidence that this happened in addition to the fact that the Andromedans just showed up and they said something major happened they told me yesterday I'm like well I don't have a show today but tomorrow and they said okay tomorrow we'll come back and channel 
through you and they were going to warn us. And then today they came back and said, look, we decided it's probably not going to affect you. But there, um, it's like two massive galaxies just kind of emerged with each other. And they were kind of freaking out about this because it was massive. And there was, um, their plasmas merged. So there's all these beautiful uh, colors like just merging and, and they were just like, but they're like, Oh God, what does this mean? And they wanted to warn us, but it's something that they have to deal with. And it doesn't look like it's coming our way, but if it looks like it is, they'll probably let us know, but I'm going to send my love and light to Andromeda because, um, I'm sure some of those people over there, some of those beings might be having to deal with some stuff, you know, especially if they're in the fifth dimension. I don't think there's any third dimensionals over there. I think that's mostly fifth dimension and above and the higher light beings won't be affected, but the ones that have more of a physical body, like in the fifth dimension, they're going to have, they're going to have some things to handle. So, um, there's that. Let's see. Um, for the foundation for inner peace in a course in miracles, you can find that at ACIM.org. We are on a review lesson still lesson 205. And this is what the lesson is. Um, the basic idea of running through all the review is I am not a body. I am free for I am still as God created me. And our lesson for today is taken from the lesson 185. And the review point is this. I want the peace of God. P-E-A-C-E, you know, pause, uh, tranquilidad, tranquility. I want the peace of God. The peace of God is everything I want. The peace of God is my one goal. The aim of all my living here, the end I seek, my purpose and my function and my life, while I abide where I am not at home. I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I want the peace of God. So, I don't know about you guys, I've been really, really, really um, working on just asking for that and nothing else. You know, um, the kingdom of God is within you and seek, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all else shall be added unto you. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> if you're, if you're Christian, you do. That was a part of it, right? So, all right. I'm looking, I'm, I'm in the spirits book. Ellen Kardec is the author of the book we're reading tonight. I think we're on the 17th section. <laughs> That's quite a bit. Um, let's see where we are. Okay. So, sorry that I have to backtrack, but y'all didn't hear it last week because it just absolutely, the, the last 10 minutes of the tape just sped up and, and it's like two or three minutes contained 10 minutes worth of speaking and I did not suddenly overlay myself with the voice of an alien and or a robot with massive I don't know I can't read that fast I just it's like 
I sounded faster than a rapper. <laughs> I was like, what the heck just happened? It was so crazy. It's so crazy. Anyway, um, I don't know. I just, I, 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 yeah, I have no explanation as to why that happened. I do know that there were beings in my room and I do know that there are no one, there's no one in my room that's not always here with me anyway. I mean, I've got dragons, I've got my fae, I've got my fairies, sometimes my angels, but they don't interfere with my electronics. I've got a djinn here. What else? You know, I've got um, a sin eater, which is a being, a creature that, oh, we'll go over that another day, but a sin eater actually helps eat away my anxiety. <laughs> I invited him to help me with the emotions I don't need anymore. And I think my body puts off anxiety naturally and it's not from my emotional body. So I'm still trying to figure it out. I think it's a physical thing. It's just a, maybe a lack of a mineral or something. But anyway, um, so the sin eater does his job and then I don't feel the anxiety and I'm fine. That's how I deal with it on a spiritual level. Anyway, uh, Ellen Kardec wrote this book and published it in April of 1857 in Paris, France. And he went to five different psychic mediums, as you recall, in around the city. And they all said the same thing, the exact same answers. And so he published a book that was literally what all the different mediums went. Now, I think he went from medium to medium to medium, and the same spirits followed him because they're his spiritual team. And I also asked God, and about 92% of this book is real and incorrect. So... It's still worth it. It's valid. I mean, if you were going to grade it, it's a B. It's a B, maybe B plus <laughs> paper, 92. It's kind of like a B. Depends on how, how strong your curve is, how you're going to grade it. But so it's still, there's a lot of really valid points and in information. If anything um, conflicts with information that we have already that we know, because our consciousness is raised. And so some of the stuff isn't going to ring true for us. So take it all with a grain of salt. But let's get into it. Um, let me, I have to check how much moments, how many minutes I've left. So I remember I'm only recording 30 minutes at a time because I'm doing this on my laptop still. All right. I got 20 minutes on this recording and then I'll do another 30 minutes. So we have almost an hour of this book by Alan Kardec. All right. Question 605. If we consider all the points of contact that exist between man and the animals, does it not seem as though man possessed two souls, vis-a-vis -vis an animal soul and a spirit soul? And that if he had not the latter, might still he might still live, but as a brute. In other words, that the animal is a being similar to man minus the spiritual soul, from which it would follow that the good and bad instincts of man result from the predominance of one or other of these two souls. And the spirits say, no, man has not two souls, <laughs> but the body has its instincts resulting from the sensation of its organs. There is in him only a double nature, the animal nature and the spiritual nature. By his body, he participates in the nature of the animals and their instincts. By his soul, 
he participates in the nature of spirits. And the follow-up question, thus, uh, besides his own imperfection, which he has to get rid of, a spirit has also, also to struggle against the influence of matter? And the spirits say, yes, the lower a spirit's degree of advancement, the closer are the bonds which united him with matter. Do you not see that it must necessarily be so? No, man has not two souls. The soul is always one in a single being. The soul of the animal and that of man are distinct from one another, so that the soul of the one cannot animate the body created for the other. But if man have not an animal soul placing him by its passions on a level with the animals, he has his body, which often drags him down to them. For his body is a being that is endowed with vitality and that has its instincts but unintelligent and limited to the care of its own preservation. Now, the uh, commentary that Alan Kardec wrote after that is this. A spirit in incarnating himself in a human body brings to it the intellectual and moral principle that renders it superior to the animals. The two natures in man constitute for him two distinct sources of passions, one set of passions springing from the instincts of his animal nature, and the other set being due to the impurities of the spirit of which he is the incarnation, and which are in sympathy with the grossness of the animal appetites. A spirit, as he becomes purified, frees himself gradually from the influence of matter. While under that influence, he approaches nature of the brutes when delivered from that influence. He raises himself towards his true destination. Question 606. Whence do the animals derive the intelligent principle that constitutes the particular kind of soul with which they are endowed? And the spirits say, from the universal intelligent element. Follow-up question. The intelligence of man and of the animals emanates then from one and the same principle? Answer. Undoubtedly, but in man it has received an elaboration which raises it above that which animates the brute. Question 607. You have stated that the soul of man at its origin is in a state analogous to that of human infancy, that its intelligence is only beginning to unfold itself, and that it is essaying to live 190, I don't know why it says that. Where does the soul accomplish this earliest phase of its career? <laughs> and the spirits say, in a series of existences which precede the period of development that you call humanity. And so the follow-up question is, oops, sorry about that, guys. The soul would seem then to have been the intelligent principle of the inferior orders of the creation. And the spirits say, not said that everything in nature is linked together and tends to unity it is in those beings of which you are very far from knowing all that the intelligent principle is elaborated, is gradually individualized and made ready to live as we have said 
through its subjection to a sort of preparatory, like that of germination, on the conclusion of which the principle undergoes a transformation and becomes spirit. It is then that the period of humanity commences for each spirit with the sense of futurity. Uh, that means like future, F-U-T-U-R-I-T-Y. I think I said that wrong. Futurity. Anyway, the power of distinguishing between good and evil and the responsibility of his actions as after the period of infancy from that of childhood, then youth, adolescence, and ripened manhood. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. And then they go on to say, is the greatest genius humiliated by having a shapeless fetus in his mother's womb? If anything ought to humiliate him, it is his loneliness in the scale of being and his powerlessness to sound the depths of the divine designs and the wisdom of the laws that regulate the harmonies of the universe. Recognize the greatness of God in this admirable harmony that establishes solidarity between everything in nature. To think that God could have made anything without a purpose and have created intelligent beings without a future would be to blaspheme his goodness, which extends over all his creatures. So the follow-up question to that is, does this period of humanity commence upon our earth? And the spirit say, the earth is not the starting point for the earliest phase of human incarnation. The human period commences in general in worlds still lower than yours. Wow. You don't say. <laughs> okay, then they go on to say, <laughs> this, however, is not an absolute rule. And it may happen that a spirit at his entrance upon the human face may be fitted to live upon the earth. Such a case, however, though possible is unfrequent and would be an exception to the general rule. All right. Question 608. Has a man's spirit after death, any consciousness of the existences that have preceded his entrance upon the human period? And the answer is no, for it is, only with this period that his life as a spirit has begun for him. He can scarcely recall his earliest existences as a man, just as a man no longer remembers the earliest days of his infancy, and still less the time he passed in his mother's womb. This is why spirits tell you that they do not know how they began. Question 609. Does a spirit, when once has entered upon the human period, retain any traces of what he has previously been. That is to say, this of the state in which he was in what may be called the anti-human period. And that's A-N-T-I. I mean, A-N-T-E, meaning before. I should have just said the before human period. Ante, ante, ant. It's like in French, but they, I don't know why like, they translate everything except that. So anti-human would be like, not like the Antichrist, anti-human, but anti, A-N-T-E. 
let me read that again. I'll say before human. Does a spirit, when once he has entered upon the human period, retain any traces of what he has been previously? That is to say, of the state in which he was in what may be called the before human period? And the, and the spirits say, that depends on the distance which separates the two periods and the amount of progress accomplished. During a few generations, there may be a reflex, more or less distinct, of the primitive state, for nothing in nature takes place through an abrupt transition, and there are always links which unite the extremities of the chain of beings or of events, but those traces disappear with the development of free will. The first steps of progress are accomplished slowly because they had, are not yet seconded by the will. They are accomplished more rapidly in proportion as a spirit acquires a more perfect consciousness of himself. Right, I'm going to go over and check the time really quick to this other website over here. Um, all right, I'm good. I have 17. So, all right. It's like ridiculous. I have to keep track of this because the other one, I don't know, is harder to deal with. I'm trying to fix this, I swear to God. <laughs> All right, uh, question 610. The spirits who have said that man is a being apart from the rest of creation are then mistaken? And the spirits say no, but the question had not been developed. And besides, there are things that can only be known at their appointed time. Man is in reality a being apart, for he has faculties that distinguish him from all others, and he has another destiny. The human species is the one which God has chosen for the incarnation of the beings that are capable of knowing him. There we go. That was a section that we did not get to hear last week because of I don't even know what beings were in my room that moment. <laughs> Messing up the electronics. I literally did everything I normally do. And that happened anyway. So I, I don't even know. <laughs> so now we're on the part of this chapter called metempsychosis. And I don't know what this means. I've never heard of this before. So it says M-E-T-E-M, metem. And then just psychosis. It's all one word, metempsychosis. So we're going to go into that. Question 611. There we go. Okay. Question 611. Is not the common origin of the intellectual principle of living beings a consecration of the doctrine of the metempsychosis? The spirits say, two things may have the same origin, and yet not resemble one another at a later period. Who could recognize the tree with its leaves, flowers, and fruit in the shapeless germ contained in the seed from which it has issued? From the moment when the principle of intelligence has reached the necessary degree of development for becoming spirit and for entering upon the human phase, it has no longer any connection with its primitive state and is no more the soul of the beasts than the tree is the seed. In man there is no longer anything of the animal but his body, 
and the passions which are joint products of his body and of the instinct of self-preservation inherent in the matter. It cannot therefore be said that such and such a man is the incarnation of such and such an animal and consequently is not true. I want to insert something in there because this is very interesting. Um, I always thought that it's possible that we start as amoebas and work our way up, right? <laughs> and that we do everything. We work it up, work it up, work it up. But in the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ, in which uh, these uh, this woman read the Akashic Records out loud as she was seeing them in her mind, and her, her uh, husband or boyfriend at the time wrote everything down, and they made this book, right? And she asked... Um, she wanted to find out because she was really curious about it. And it turned out that Jesus, you know, Yeshua says that the pattern of man has always been. It, we didn't work our way up to it and then evolve into a physical man. We weren't apes and then became men. We were men always. Apes were apes always. Dogs were dogs always. You know, dragonflies are dragonflies always. We don't go back and forth between species. I'm not a human in this life and a dragonfly in the next life and then a pig in the next life and then an ape in the next life and then a human again. That does not happen. The pattern, it's always been a template. And before Earth existed, it was a template to be a, a humanoid on other planets. It even says that in the Akashic Records of Yeshua. So, in case you all thought that maybe you were dragonfly in another life, I don't know. I think your your consciousness might have inhabited other things. I'm not saying that's not possible, but it's not like the whole Earth was only amoebas and nothing else, and then it was amoebas and the next thing up from amoeba, and then the next generations amoebas the next thing up and the next thing up from that it's that's it, one pattern does not grow into another pattern and split off the pattern for man has always been you know so when men appeared on the planet they appeared on the planet they didn't develop from apes apes are apes men are men bees are bees cats are cats a lot of cats are larens <laughs> But I, hopefully that, you know, I think your, your consciousness can embody other things, but I don't think you become that and then become a human again and then become that and become a human. It doesn't work like that. So I've heard some people say this on the internet and I'm like, no, I know that's not true, but you know, I mean, but I've thrown my consciousness into, um, into animals in order to have telepathic communication on a superior level with them versus just trying to read their mind. It's better to get inside their body. So I have put my consciousness inside while I'm still also a human, you know, so you could throw your consciousness into something you are, if that makes sense. All right. Question 612. Can a spirit which has animated a human body be incarnated in an animal? 
oh my god I did not see this before I just said that they say no for such an incarnation would be a retrogradation and a spirit never retrogrades unlike mercury <laughs> they say the river does not flow back to its source nope it, it, it doesn't go backwards it goes forwards yeah all right so question 613 however erroneous may be the idea attached to the doctrine of metempsychosis may not that doctrine be a result of an intuitive reminiscence of the different existences of man and the spirit say that intuitive reminiscence is seen in this belief as in many others but like the greater part of his intuitive ideas man has perverted it yeah well okay I'm gonna go see how much time we have on this recording and see where we're at all right we got like three minutes um hopefully we'll get through this uh I might have to stop go to the next one um oh darn it okay now he added his own two cents here and it's like super long-winded oh my god and I don't know what just happened. I just, ah, uh, of course it's, oh my God, it's like super long winded. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'm going to get through like the first paragraph and then I, you know, hopefully we'll see how long it takes me to read this. So Alan Kardec adds his own two cents to this part. And he says, the doctrine of the metempsychosis would be true if that by Word were understood the progression of the soul from a lower state to a higher state in which it acquires a new development that will transform its nature. But it is false when understood as meaning that any animal can transmigrate directly into a man and a man into an animal, which would imply the idea of a retrogradation or of a fusion. The fact that fusion is not possible between corporeal beings of two different species is an indication of their being of degrees that are not assailable and that such must be the case also with the spirits that animate them if the same spirit could animate them alternate alternately it would imply the existence between them of an identity that would manifest itself by the possibility of corporeal reproduction reincarnation is now taught by spirits founded on the contrary upon the ascensional movement of nature and upon the progression of man in his own species, which detracts nothing from his dignity. What really degrades man is the evil use he makes of the faculties which God has given him for his advancement. And at all events, the antiquity and universality of the doctrine of the metempsychosis and the number of eminent men who have professed it is that the principle of reincarnation has its roots in nature itself, a fact which, so far from diminishing the probability of its truth, must be regarded as constituting a weighty argument in its favor. The startling point of spirit is one of the with questions which have reference to the origin of things and to the secret designs of God. It is not given to man to comprehend them completely, and he can only form in regard to them suppositions and theoretic systems more or less probable. 
Spirits themselves are far from knowing everything and may also have in regard to what they do not know, individual opinions more or less in harmony with fact. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break and come back <laughs> and record again the last 30 minutes of the Spirits book. It is thus, for example, that all spirits do not think alike in reference to the relations which exist between man and the animals. According to some scribes, at the human period after having been elaborated and individualized in the different degrees of the lower beings of the creation, According to others, the spirit of man has always belonged to the human race without passing through the ascensional degrees of the animal world. The first of these theories has the advantage of giving an aim to the future of animals, which are thus seen to form the earliest links in the chain of thinking beings. The second theory is more consonant with the dignity of man and may be summed up as follows hold on i need to fix something here all right there we go uh, the different species of animals do not proceed intellectually from one another by road of progression thus the spirit of the oyster does not become successively that of the fish then the bird then the quadruped and the quadruped why does it say it twice anyway <laughs> And the other quadruped, okay. Each species is a fixed type, physically and morally, in each individual of which draws from the universal source of being the sum of the intelligent principle, which is necessary to it according to the nature of its organs and the work it has to accomplish in the phenomenon of nature, and which it restores to the general mass of that principle at its death. Those of worlds more advanced than ours are also distinct races that are fitted to the needs of those worlds and to the degree of advancement of the men of whom they are the auxiliaries, but that do not proceed spiritually from those of the earth. It is not the same with man. It is evident that physically he forms a link in the chain of living beings, but there is morally a solution of continuity between the animals and him. For man alone possesses the soul or spirit, the divine spark, which gives him the moral sense and the extended vision which are wanting in the animals is in him the principal being pre-existent to and surviving his body and thus preserving his individuality. What is the origin of spirit? 
what is its starting point? Is it formed by the individualizing of intelligent principle? This is a mystery which would be useless, but to penetrate. And in regard with, as we have said, we can do no more than build up theories. What is certain, what is indicated alike by reason and by experience, is the survival of each spirit and the persistence of his individuality after death. His faculty of progressing, the happiness or unhappiness of his next state of being, according to his advancement or his backwardness in the path of purification, and all the moral consequences which flow from this certainty as for the mysterious kinship which exists between man and the animals. That, we repeat, is God's secret. Like many other matters, the knowledge of which at this time is of little importance to our advancement and upon which it would be useless to insist. There we go. That was his long-winded explanation of that. (laughs) We are now to book third, Moral Laws. So this is like several books in one and this is the third one and we are at chapter one in the third book okay so this is what is contained in this book divine chapter one says divine or natural law and then it's broken down into sections the first one is characteristics of natural law number two source and knowledge of natural law number three good and evil number four divisions of natural law oh this is exciting actually i can't wait to get into this i'm wondering if it's not like the law of attraction and all the other laws it's pretty exciting if that's the case all right i want to see how much time we have uh yeah we have 24 minutes all right so um here we go (laughs) we're on the first part of this called characteristics of natural law question 614 what is to be understood by natural law and the spirit's answer the law of nature is the law of god it is the only rule that ensures the happiness of man For it shows him what he should or should not do, and he only suffers because he disobeys it. Question 15. Is the law of God eternal? The Spirit's answer. It is eternal and unchangeable as God himself. Okay, that reminds me of something that I read in my lessons for Builders of the Added and Mystery School. Uh, Paul Foster Case wrote, that you cannot break the laws of God. You know how uh, when you get in trouble with man-made laws, they say, hey, you broke the law, right? <laughs> that law is not meant to be broken. And then there's always the, well, all laws are meant to be broken. <laughs> you know, the rebel yell <laughs> of those of us that are rebellious. So, but what Paul Fester Case said, I thought was very interesting. He said that the laws, the laws, of God, the universal laws and principles of God can never be broken. They're unbreakable and unshakable. 
You can only break yourself against the laws of God. And I thought that was really telling because it's absolutely true. It's like karma is there and that's it. You know, it's like if you're on the wheel of karma, birth and death and reincarnation and, you know, karma this and karma that and tit for tat, <laughs> you end up being, you, you end up breaking yourself against the law of karma every time you do something bad. Oh man, now I've just accrued more karma for myself because I just broke myself against the law of God that is perfect. There are perfect laws. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. Okay, so <laughs> question 616. Can God have prescribed to mankind in one age what he has forbidden in another? Ooh, very interesting question. The spirits say, God cannot be mistaken. Men are obliged to change their laws because they are imperfect. But the laws of God are perfect. Oh, that gives me the weird feeling. Didn't I just say that a minute ago? Like, I didn't even read this yet. Oh, that's so strange. Anyway, they continue. The spirits say, The harmony which regulates both the material universe and the moral universe are founded on laws established by God from all eternity. All right, cool. Question 617. What are the objects embraced by the divine laws? Have they reference to anything but our moral conduct? And the spirits say, All the laws of nature are divine laws since God is the author of all things. The seeker after science studies the laws of nature in the realm of matter. The seeker after goodness studies them in the soul and practices them. Follow-up question. Is it given to man to fathom both these divisions of natural law? And the answer, yes, but a single existence does not suffice for doing this. And then Alan Kardec adds, what indeed are a few years of acquiring all that is necessary to constitute a perfect being if we consider only the distance that separates a civilized man from the savage? A human life, though prolonged to its utmost possible length, is insufficient for a work, for such a work. Much more is it so when cut short before its term, as is the case with so large a proportion of the human race. Some of the divine laws regulate the movements and relations of inert matter. They are termed physical laws, and their study is the domain of science. Others of these laws concern man, as considered in himself and in his relations to God and to his fellow creatures. They are termed moral laws, and the regulate and regulate the life of relation as well as the life of the soul. Question 618. Are the divine laws the same for all worlds? The spirits say, reason tells you that they must be adapted to the special nature of each of those various worlds and proportioned to the degree of advancement of the beings who inhabit them. 
All right, now we're to the section called Knowledge of Natural Law. Question 619. Has God given to all men the means of knowing his law? And the spirits say, all may know it, but all do not understand it. Those who understand it best are they who seek after goodness. All, however, will one day understand it, for the destiny of progress must be accomplished. And Allan Kardec adds, The justice of the various incarnations undergone by each human being is evident when seen in the light of the principle just enunciated. Since, in each new existence, his intelligence is more developed, and he comprehends more clearly what is good and what is evil. If everything had to be accomplished by each man in a single existence, what would be the fate of the many millions of human beings who die every day in the brutishness of the savage state or in the darkness of ignorance without having had the possibility of obtaining enlightenment? Question 620. Does a spirit before his union with the body comprehend the law of God more clearly than after his incarnation? And the spirits say, he comprehends that law according to the degree of development at which he has arrived and preserves the intuitive remembrance of it after being united with the body. But the evil instincts of man often cause him to forget it. Question 621. Where is the law of God inscribed? The answer is in the conscience. Follow-up question. Since man carries the laws of God in his conscience, where was the need of revealing it to him? <laughs> oh, good question. And the Spirit said, He had forgotten and misunderstood it. God willed that it should be recalled to his memory. <laughs> yep. Question 62. Has God given to some men the mission of revealing his law? And the spirits say, yes, certainly. <laughs> okay, yes, certainly. In every age, there have been men who have, who have received this mission, spirits of higher degree who have incarnated themselves for the purpose of advancing human progress. Question 623. Have not those who have professed to instruct mankind sometimes made mistakes and led them astray by false reasonings. And the spirits say, those who, not being inspired by God, have arrogated to themselves through ambition, a mission which they had not received may undoubtedly have led them into error. Nevertheless, as after all they were men of genius, great truths are often to be found, even in the midst of the errors they taught. Question 624. What are, the, what are the characteristics of the true prophet? The spirits say, the true prophet is an upright man who is inspired by God. He may be recognized both by his words and by his deeds. God does not employ the mouth of a liar to teach the truth. Question under... 125. What is the most perfect type that God has offered to man as his guide and his model? The answer 
That's it. Let's literally answer one word, Jesus. Maybe that means Jesus. No, <laughs> same thing. Jesus. All right. Uh, Alan Kardec adds his own two cents there because he always feels he must. <laughs> he, uh, Alan Kardec's uh, response to that, he says, Jesus is the type of the moral perfection to which man may attain upon this earth. God offers him to our thought as our most perfect model, and the doctrine taught by him is the purest expression of the divine law. Because he was animated by the divine spirit and was the purest being who has ever appeared upon the earth. If some of those who have professed to instruct man in the law of God have sometimes led him astray by the inculcation of error, it is because they have allowed themselves to be swayed by sentiments of too earthly a nature and because they have confounded the laws which regulate the conditions of the life of the soul which regulate the life of the body many pretended revealers have announced as divine laws what were only human laws devised by them for serving their own passions and obtaining dominion over their fellow men okay question 626 have the divine or natural laws been revealed to men by Jesus only and had men before his time no other knowledge than that given to him by intuition? And the spirits say, have we who told you that those laws are written everywhere? All the men who have meditated upon wisdom have therefore been able to comprehend and teach them from the remotest times. By their teachings, imperfect though they were, they have prepared the ground for the sowing of the seed. The divine laws being written in the book of nature, it has always been possible for man to know them by searching after them. For this reason, the moral precepts they consecrate have been proclaimed in all ages by upright men. And for the same reason also, the elements of the moral law are to be found among every nation above the barbarian degree, although incomplete or debased by ignorance and superstition. Question 627. Since the true laws of God have been taught by Jesus, what is the use of the teachings given by spirits? Have they anything more to teach us? The answer from the spirits are, <laughs> the teachings of Jesus were often allegoric and conveyed in parables because he spoke according to the time and place in which he lived. The time has come now when the truth must be made intelligible for all. It is necessary to explain and develop the divine laws because few among you understand them and still fewer practice them. Our mission is to strike the eyes and ears of all in order to confound pride and to unmask the hypocrisy of those who assume the outward appearances of virtue and of religion as a cloak for their turpitudes. We are charged to prepare the reign of good announced by Jesus to furnish the explanations that will render it impossible for men to continue to interpret the law of God according to their passions or to pervert the meaning of what is holy a law of love and of kindness 
question 628. Why is not the truth been always placed within the reach of everyone? It's a good question. <laughs> and the spirits say, each thing can only come in its time. Truth is like light. You must become accustomed to it gradually, otherwise it only dazzles you. Hitherto, God has never permitted man to receive communications so full and instructive as those which he is permitted to receive at this day. There were undoubtedly in ancient times, as you know, individuals who were in possession of knowledge which they considered as sacred and which they kept as a mystery from those whom they regarded as profane. You can well understand from what you know of the laws which govern the phenomena of spirit communication that they received only a few fragmentary truths scattered through a mass of teachings that were generally emblematic and often erroneous. Nevertheless, there is no old philosophic system no tradition, no religion that men should neglect to study, for they all contain the germs of great truths, which, however, they may seem to contradict each other, perverted as they are by their mixture of various worthless accessories, may be easily coordinated with the aid of the key that spiritism gives you to a class of facts which have hitherto seemed to be contrary to reason, but of which the reality is irrefutably demonstrated at the present day. You should therefore not fail to make those old systems a subject of study, for they are rich in lessons and may contribute largely to your instruction. All right, I have to check the time here. Nine minutes, or no, eight minutes left. Um, good and evil. Question 629. What definition can be given of the moral law? The moral law is the rule for acting aright. That is to say, for distinguishing practically between good and evil. It is founded on the observance of the law of God. Man acts rightly when he takes the good of all as his aim and rule of action, for he then obeys the law of God. Question 630. How can we distinguish between good and evil? The spirits say, good is whatever is in conformity with the law of God, and evil in whatever is whatever deviates from it. Thus, to do right is to conform to the law of God. To do wrong is to give man of himself the means of distinguishing what is good from what is evil. The answer from the spirits is yes. When he believes in God and desires what to do, desires to do what is right, God has given him intelligence in order that he may distinguish between them. Question 632. As man is subject to error, may he not be mistaken in his appreciation of good and evil and believe himself to be doing right when in reality he is doing wrong? And the spirits answer, Jesus has said, Whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do, you, do ye even so to them. 
The whole moral law is contained in that injunction. Make it your rule of action and you will never go wrong. So basically, do unto others as you would have do unto you. Have them do unto you. So, like, if you don't want to be annoyed, don't annoy others. Duh, right? So easy. All right. <laughs> Question 633. The rule of good and evil, what may be called the rule of reciprocity or the rule of solidarity, cannot be applied to a man's personal conduct towards himself. Does he find in natural law the rule of that conduct and a safe guide? Well, the spirits have to answer this way. They say, when you eat too much, it hurts you. <laughs> God gives you in the discomfort thus produced the measure of what is necessary for you. When you exceed that measure, you are punished. <laughs> it is the same with everything else. Natural law just needs. When he oversteps that limit, he is punished by the suffering thus caused. If men gave heed in all things to the voice which says to them, Enough! They would avoid the greater part of the ills of which they accuse nature. <laughs> uh, like, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Question 634. What does evil exist in the nature of things? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me reread that. Why does evil exist in the nature of things? I speak of moral evil. Could not God have created the human race in more favorable conditions? The spirits say, we have already told you that spirits are created simple and ignorant. God leaves man free to choose his road. So much the worse if he takes the wrong one. His pilgrimage will be all the longer. If there were no mountains, man could not comprehend the possibility of ascending and descending. <laughs> If there were no rock, he could not understand that there are such things as hard bodies. It is necessary for the spirit to acquire experience. And to that end, he must both know good and evil. It is for this purpose that souls are united to bodies. Question 635. The different social positions create new wants which are not the same for all men. Natural law would therefore appear not to be a uniform rule. And the answer is those different positions are in nature and according to the law of progress, they do not invalidate the unity of natural law, which applies to everything. And Alan Kardec adds his uh, thoughts on that. He says, of a man's existence vary according to times and places hence arise for him different wants and social positions corresponding to those wants since this diversity is in the order of things it must be consonant with the law of God and this law is nonetheless one in principle it is for reason to distinguish between real wants and wants that are factitious or convinced. All right, we're going to pick up next week with question 136, where we're going to uh, end that right now.
I noticed that in the last section, towards the end, my voice is getting garbled again a little bit. I was putting my hand a little bit over the microphone so you guys could hear me a little better. I don't know if that helped or not. I think it might have hindered it. I tried to do it in various parts during this one, but I don't know. I think I need a new microphone. I think I might have to record this on a dedicated tablet or a dedicated phone. I I, I know I do need a, a, a battery for my phone, but... I told you guys, it's like a squishy lithium ion battery. And when you take it out, my son is saying that each lithium ion battery is somehow tailor made towards a phone and there's not a replacement for it because it only goes with that phone. I don't know if that's true. I talked to somebody today who said, no, you could just, you could get a new one, you know, and I think there's a replacement battery that's not quite the same. It's all very, very confusing. But wish me luck on that. I'm going to try to go downtown tomorrow and hash this out again. But (laughs) I had a great time having two days off. The first day I worked and worked and worked still. And yesterday I slept a long time. And I got to watch a couple movies. And I wanted to recommend the movie John Carter. If you guys have never heard of John Carter... It is an incredible movie. It's based on Edgar Rice Burroughs' book, A Princess on Mars. And it's about a man who kind of stumbles upon a weird secret and ends up going from the 1800s in, in on the U.S. soil in Arizona to Mars. And they have all this kind of technology, and it's crazy. It's, it's one of the coolest stories I've ever seen. And even though it's purely fictional, it has a lot of truth to it. So I wanted to recommend that to you guys. Anyway, I'm going. I love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Signing off. Peace and love and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time, guys. Peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading, which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards, or I can channel your higher guidance, or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna, because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew. If your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters, I can channel them for you personally. Let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life. Readings are $75 
and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete. And for this price, you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free, which means yours truly, me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. All you have to do is let me know. Metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together.